Welcome to RLA's message of the week. We hope you enjoy week three in our new series, Non-Negotiables, by Pastor Renee Molina. So today is week three of, of ten weeks that we've been covering of non-negotiables. And um, I want to start off by asking you, what is a building without a foundation? What would happen to a building without a foundation? Somebody want to tell me? It collapses. Yes. What else? It shakes. Yes, there you go. It's not a trick question. I know it sounds a little tricky. But uh, did you guys know that our skyscrapers in downtown, they have foundations that they have like, some of them have cushions, some of them have wheels to be able to withstand our earthquakes. Did you know that? Like, it's crazy. Imagine a, an earthquake in, in downtown without that kind of foundation. It will just, it'll shatter, it'll crumble, it'll fall. A found, without foundations, a building cannot withstand when rough times hit it, right? Without a foundations, without foundations, like your house wouldn't be able to stand. You know, you'll be stepping all of a sudden, like your, your house will start falling. And, and, and so too often today, there are many people that don't have foundations. There are many people that don't have something that keeps them grounded, keeps them founded. And that's why we're so swayed easily by the opinions of people. Something that I've noticed is that people nowadays, they change their convictions based off a rant on social media. And it's like, are you really that not founded? Like, do you, does someone like telling you something really mean on the street going to make you change your whole life? Like, how, like do we, have we lost track of our foundations? And so the twin of a foundation is a non-negotiable. Non-negotiables are things that keep you grounded. They're convictions that keep you grounded. One of my non-negotiables is to be faithful to my wife. That is not open to discussion. Like, I cannot be like, well, you know, it depends. No, 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 no. That is a non-negotiable that keeps us founded and grounded. A non-negotiable is that our income is to support our home. <laughs> that is not open to discussion. Well, it depends. You know, there's this other house that I want. No, no, no. Like, that's even, it's crazy even discussing that. There are things that are non-negotiable in your life, and those are your foundations. Are you guys following me? And so that's why we've been covering these these foundations, these non-negotiables. And if you want to find our non-negotiables, if you want to go ahead in the series, you could go to the website, RLA DNA, and you could see our basic beliefs, our foundations, our non-negotiables. And these foundations, these non-negotiables, I'm proud to tell you that they have stood the test of time. They have lasted for thousands of years, centuries. They have shown that they are reliable, non-negotiables. For those of you that have been in the series since the beginning, a non-negotiable means not open to discussion or consideration. And so I want to recap what we've been covering for the past few weeks. We're in week three, and I would like to recap um, the, for the past few weeks. And so week one, we spoke about our number one non-negotiable is that our belief and trust in God. 
God is our cornerstone for everything that we do. Then last week we spoke about the Trinity. And if you remember that we spoke about how the Trinity teaches an essential lesson. Is that you cannot accomplish your ultimate purpose by yourself. Right? And I want to tell you, we're not just sharing these ideas. No, no, no. What I'm trying to do is show how essential they are to your everyday life. And so today is, who is Jesus? Ooh. Ooh. So if you have a Bible, can you go to Colossians chapter 2? Colossians chapter 2. Our our next non-negotiable is who Jesus is. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 says, are you guys ready? I'm going to read it. Colossians 2, verse 9 says, For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in human form. Say with me, bottle. Yeah, exactly. Jesus is like a bottle of heaven. And in you and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Ooh, I love that word. You have been brought to fullness through Jesus the Christ. He is the head over every power and authority. Ooh, that's so good. My goodness. Let's read it again. It says, Colossians 2.9 says, For in the Christ Jesus, all the fullness of deity of heaven lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. In other words, if you are not in Christ, you're not living your full self yet. Mm -hmm, I know. So good, right? He is the head over everything. Thank you so much. I I love this. I love your reactions. I need to know you're with me on this. He is the head over every power and authority. So I want to tell you, yes, our God is infinite. Yes, our God is so incomprehensible. Yes, God is beyond our imagination. Yes, if we see God in his full splendor, we will die of how great he is. Yes, he is so majestic and and just so incomprehensible. He is like a million universes in one. He is so massive. But this incredible, unknowable God became knowable. This infinite God became finite for love. For us, the untouchable God became touchable. How? Through the greatest underdog and the greatest person to ever walk planet Earth, Jesus. I, I actually have a passion. I want to share, open up my heart a little bit. I have a passion to present Jesus in a very different, unique, and abnormal way. My tattoo on my left arm is the name of Jesus in Greek. And I could have easily tattooed the name of Jesus, but I didn't. I wanted to do it in an unusual, hidden way because that's how I want to represent Jesus. I want to represent him in a way that people love the way it looks and are curious on the way it looks and, and wonder what is it? And so I could explain who he is in a way that they've never heard him before. That's my passion. That's my heart about Jesus. 
I want to present him in an unusual way. And so today, I want to give you three key roles Jesus must play in your life so that you can reach fullness. Tell the person next to you, you need to be more full. Exactly. Number one, the first role Jesus must play in your life is that Jesus must be the perfect balance to your life. Say with me, balance. Jesus must, be the, must play the perfect balance in your life. How many know that Jesus is the true balance of all life? Jesus is the perfect balance. How many know people nowadays in L.A. need balance? Man, we are extremely, we're like either extremely here or extremely there. We are rarely balanced. And Jesus is our perfect balance. Ooh, I'm excited to share this with you. Jesus is both fully divine and fully human. Jesus brings the beauty of heaven and earth in one. Jesus brings the full beauty of heaven and the full beauty of earth in one. He is the perfect balance. Say with me, balance. He is perfectly balanced. Have you guys ever tried to build something? I rarely do, but some of you I know maybe every day. And when you want to find the balance of something, you find that little bubble, you know, that tries to find that middle. Jesus is that perfect balance, that little bubble in the middle thing. Whenever you build and you, you think of balancing something, that's Jesus. He's the perfect balance. Some theologians say he is the son of God and the son of Mary. He is fully uh, divine and fully human. Amen. Jesus is the balance. And the crazy thing is that since the beginning of time, people have not been balanced. People have been either too spiritual or too natural. And Jesus is the perfect balance. You guys following me? Some people that are too spiritual, they hate culture. They're too spiritual. No, I don't, I don't believe in culture. I, I don't know. It's all about heaven. Really? Some people hate, a lot of churches, they hate culture. A lot of churches, they're so spiritual, they're insulated to the world outside of them. Some people, they hate enjoying life. Because they're all, they're just, they're, 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 their mind is in heaven and their feet is in heaven. And it's like, hey, you're being too, you're being more spiritual than Jesus. Some people that are too spiritual, they want to escape this life. Oh, man, if, if I only get to heaven right now. Oh, man, if I only go to heaven. Oh, if I, I need to be in heaven right now. They call it the escapist theology, meaning everything you do in life is to escape the world that you live in now. Did you know that according to the Bible, if you've read your Bible, according to the Bible, we're not going to live in heaven for the rest of eternity. We're going to live in a remodeled earth. For the rest of eternity. I'll just leave that there. <laughs> and some people are too spiritual. They don't love the people around them. Because all they say is, I'm just going to love God. I just have to love God. Just Jesus in me. Just me and God. Just the Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost in me. That's it. That's it. You're being way too spiritual. And people that are too spiritual, they start getting weird. 
And throughout history, you've seen people that are either too spiritual or too natural. The people that are too natural, those are the people that say life has no meaning. These are the people that say whatever you do doesn't matter because this is all that's, that's left. It's kind of like a Mad Max movie, you know. Go, come on, we got to survive now, you know. People that are too natural is, they say science explains everything. Science goes from being a tool to being a god. People that are too natural, they only say life is only how you see it. Whatever you see, that's life. And so if you see, like people have been found on either extreme, but Jesus comes and brings the balance. And he says there is beauty in the spiritual and there is beauty in the natural. If you remember, God said when he was creating everything, he said it was good exactly. And when he made human beings, he said they were very good. It's funny because right now there's a very popular show called Stranger Things. And this show is just being it's super, super popular. And what it, you know what I'm, what I'm seeing here? I'm seeing how much people desire for this spiritual, this another realm, this, this outside of the natural realm. If, if you haven't seen the show, it's... it's it's not everyone likes it, but it's this show that sh it just shows there's two dimensions. And to me, it's just like it shows that people are interested in another dimension outside of this visible one. There's actually an article that just came out that there's an increasing number of people that are spiritual but not religious, according to the New York Times. What's my point? My point is that Jesus is the perfect balance to all of our lives. Jesus helps us live with our head in heaven and our feet on the ground. Jesus is the perfect balance. When you follow him, you'll learn how to navigate through both realms, the spiritual and the natural. With Jesus, you won't be a spiritual weirdo, but neither will you be a hopeless person. With Jesus, you'll be a perfectly balanced person. Jesus will bring balance to your life. Tell the person next to you, you need some balance. Now tell yourself, I need a lot of balance. <laughs> the next role Jesus must play. Oh, man, I'm excited for this one. Can you high five somebody next to you and say, here it comes. There we go. There we go. The second thing, so the first role that Jesus must play is what? Is what? The first role Jesus must play is? Balance. Thank you. There we go. And the second role Jesus is, he is the perfect savior. Oh, but I'm going to go a little further than what you're usually used to. So John chapter 4. Oh, man. Say with me, stretch me. Exactly. There we go. John 4, verse 39. How many know Jesus is the perfect Savior? Jesus 4, 39. It's, I mean, <laughs> sorry about that. John, John 4, 39. Oh, it's because his name above all names. 
too much passion. John 4, 39 says, this is the scene after the Samaritan woman and the well. If you remember that, this is after. So it says, John 4, 39 says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of the woman's story. He told me everything I did, she told them. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more people believed in him. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Ooh. Is that what your Bible says? I want to tell you something super, super, duper important. Jesus is the perfect Savior. You know why? Because Jesus saves you from your past, from your present, and from your future. Many times, Jesus, when people talk about, I've been saved, they talk about, that means, a.k.a., they're not going to hell. But that's part of what Jesus saves you from. Jesus, Jesus do, just doesn't save you from hell. He saves you from the things from your past, from your present, and from your future. Let me explain. Jesus saves you from your past. In other words, when you trust him, he doesn't allow the demons of your past to haunt you. When Jesus saves you, he's also saving you from the stuff that you were in the past, from the past calling you, from the past telling you, what if you come back? What if you come back? Jesus saves you from the things of your past. He just doesn't save you from hell. That's part of it, but he also saves you from the things of your past. With Jesus, your past becomes a lesson. With Jesus, your past becomes a lesson and not an attraction. Guess what? Jesus also saves you from your present. The anxiety, the sadness, the anger, obsession, if you trust him, he'll save you from that today. If you trust him, Jesus will save you from depression today. If you trust him, Jesus will save, will save you and rescue you from burnout, from anxiety. Jesus is a savior of a more holistic way. He saves us from way more than just hell. Don't get me wrong. He saves us from hell because he saves us from our future. He saves us from not just from our future in hell, but he also saves us from our future headaches, our future time wasters, our future time uh, 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 wasters. Yeah, like Jesus saves us from our future. Some people are way too spiritual and they're like, yeah, Jesus saves me from, from hell. Yes, that's part of it. But he also saves you from, from more things. He didn't just die on the cross to save you from hell. He died on the cross to save us from all things. Are you guys ready for this? Some of you, you're saved from hell in your future, but you're not trusting him today. And you might have your future secure, but today 
you're allowing anxiety to whack you left and right. Or maybe you have your future uh, uh, safe and saved, but you're still allowing the demons of your past to haunt you down. Are you guys tracking with me? It's this bigger extended view of how much he saves us. And something I love, too, is that Jesus, and I don't know, uh, um, a lot of people in America, we talk about individual salvation, right? But a lot of people, a lot of pastors and theologians in Latin America, in Africa, in Asia, they talk about Jesus saves us individually, but Jesus can also save in community. Meaning Jesus could save a community of greed, from greed. Jesus could save a, a family from financial misery. You following me? So it's not just this individual like, like little shot to heaven. No, also Jesus could save communities from anything the enemy wants to destroy them with. You, you see what I'm trying? I'm trying to stretch your view of what God could do. Because if Jesus did everything he can so you could just escape hell, then that's really cheap. Jesus died for way more than that. People that just think like that, if it's like if I would pay you the YMCA membership and you only use the parking. It's like, come on, I'm paying for everything. You can use the gym, the pool. You can use the, the personal trainers. You can use the, the parking lot. You see what I'm saying? Like Jesus, what he paid for was way more things. He even paid for our sicknesses. Jesus is the perfect savior. Jesus, what he's trying to do is restore things to how they were in the beginning. He's try Jesus, he's trying to reverse the curse. Can I get an amen? amen? The way things were in Genesis 1 and 2, wonderful. People in perfect harmony. People in perfect love. In perfect health. That's what Jesus is trying to restore things. That's why he's the perfect savior. And he all did it with no agenda. He did it out of love. It was funny because um, my little nieces and nephew were, were in town, and I had the chance to tell them, to tell them about Jesus. <laughs> it was funny because in their own way, right, um, they're, like, they're like two and, no, three and five, right around there. And I asked them, I asked them, hey, so who's the number one superhero of all time? And they were like, Batman, and I'm like, oh my gosh, my sister hasn't told him about, you know, and and, there, and and then I'm like, no, that's not the top superhero. I told him, I told him the top superhero is Jesus. What? And I'm like, yeah, he's the top superhero. Can he fly? Yeah, he has the power of flight. He could fly. Jesus could fly. And it was like the cutest question they asked me next. Then my niece was like, he doesn't even have a logo. <laughs> I thought first she said a Lego, and I, was, I searched for Jesus' Legos, and it, they had a Lego of Jesus, right? 
And then I showed him. <laughs> I showed him online. Yes, he does have a logo. And it was like, like Lego gave him like a, like a logo or something. And, and my niece was like, wow. And so when I asked him again, all right, who's the top superhero of all time? Jesus. They all said Jesus. It was a really cute moment. And then I was like trying to affirm that. And so I was like, hey, can you tell your mommy who's the top superhero of all time? Jesus. So I was like sharing the gospel with them, you know. And I was even telling them Jesus could like look at somebody, extend their hands to them, and make their skin look better. And they're like, no way. I was like, yes, that's what Jesus could do. So it was just awesome sharing the gospel with little kids. <laughs> and the last thing, so the first role Jesus must play is, number one, Jesus is the perfect balance. Number two, Jesus is the perfect savior. And number three, Jesus is the perfect model. Jesus is the ultimate model and prototype on how to live life. Kind of like when you trace a drawing. Have you ever traced a drawing? Who here is terrible at drawing? Raise your hand. Who here, like honestly, my figures are still stick figures. That's like the best I could do. It's crazy. Who here can say, I, I could draw. I could draw. Raise your hand. Really? Wow. Can I tell you something? Josh, he's one of the worship uh, lead, uh, uh, He's on the worship team. He is one of the best drawers that I've ever known. Right, Nelly? Josh is an amazing drawer. But, but what, my, what I'm trying to say is when you trace a drawing, you follow a model, right? That's how Jesus is. Jesus is the model. Jesus, say with me, prototype. Jesus is the, the Bible. You know how the Bible presents Jesus? The Bible presents Jesus as the ultimate model on how to do life. Do you remember in 2007 or 2008 when Steve Jobs presented the first iPhone? Who remembers that? Do you remember that? The first model of, of, of the iPhone. Do you remember where you were and everything? I, I, I actually watched that keynote. I was, it, was, it was funny. But Jesus is the first. I mean, what the heck? I'm sorry. I, I meant to say the, uh, the Steve Jobs... Presented, sorry, I lost my train of thought. The, the train in my thought, like, just crashed. Uh, uh, Steve Jobs presented the first iPhone in 2007, 2008, the prototype. And it's just funny how all the other phones after this was to look at, as close as they can to the first one. That's kind of how Jesus is. Jesus is the first prototype on how to do life. He is the ultimate model on how to live life. Does that make sense? Renee, are you really comparing Jesus to the first iPhone in 2007? Welcome to Los Angeles 2019. One of, one of my, one of my uh, a scholar, really, really uh, famous scholar, she said, she said this, uh, she, I love what she said, Jesus Christ is the ideal, perfect human. He's the one we were all meant to be like, but failed to be. He's the ultimate model. 
Jesus is the ultimate way on how to love, on how to forgive, on how to move, how to thrive, on how to live an abundant life. That's why uh, people in the Bible, after, after the Gospels, they would call Jesus the new Adam. Say with me, the new Adam. You know what that means? That means that Jesus is the new symbol, the new way of doing life. So many people failed before Jesus. Now he's the, the way we do it. He's the, uh, the symbol. He is the example on how we are to live life, on the way we are to love people, on the way we are to forgive people, on the way we're to supposed to manage money, on the way we are supposed to see sex, on the way we're supposed to see heaven, on the way we're supposed to see governors, on the way we're supposed to see politics, on the way we're supposed to see life. We are to model our lives after the prototype of life, Jesus Christ. And what I love about Jesus is that he keeps it simple. He's like, look, if you follow my way of life, you're building your life on solid ground. But if you build your life on the way you want to do it, you're building your life on sand. You choose. He said, if you build your life on what I'm telling you, when storms come, it won't knock you down. But he says, but if you don't build your life on what I'm telling you and you do whatever you want and you build it however you want, when storms come your way, when anxiety comes your way, when fear comes your way, when problems come your way, you're going to collapse. And it says, and Jesus says, and you will collapse with a great big crash. So my question to you is, where are you building your life on? The ultimate model or on whatever you want to do? And you know what? If you want to build your life however you want to build it, in a few years down the road, let's compare and let's see who's still upright. Sometimes your friends and your family members, stop trying to convince them to change their mind. Just tell them, look. You do however you want to do life. You do however you want to do marriage. I'm going to do life the way that God tells me, that Jesus tells me. And then down the road, we'll compare. And we'll see. Because he's the ultimate model on how to do life. On behalf of our church, we want to thank you for listening to this week's message. RLA is a biblical grassroots church located in South Los Angeles. We are a community who is here to restore the hurting, anxious, and those discouraged by religion. We hope to have you back next week.